I'm excited to be sort of closing out this, this really, been a really good series. Um, I feel like uh, I've been engaged in a way in this topic that maybe I haven't for a long time. Um, I've sensed it with you guys as far as uh, just the way you've leaned in and I see lots of uh, head, head shakes. I've got a couple emails and it's just, been, it's just been good. I think church needs to spend more time talking about this kind of stuff. Uh, I think it's important. It definitely, when we talked about it as a, a team of pastors, it was like, how do we do this well? Because we, you know, you don't want it, you don't, it's such an important topic. It's, it's kind of a pervasive thing. And we wanted to do it justice, right? We wanted it to make sure, and I, I think that we've got a balance. I mean, the, the conversation's not over, but we began it. And I think it's good that the church continues to talk about these kinds of things. Because um, I just learned a ton through it. By having to prepare things for you every week and, and digging in myself, it's just been good. Uh, I learned a lot of things uh, about anxiety in general, uh, but then how it really shows up in my own life. And I got to say, oh, Carrie Rogers, you could be a bit more self-reflective <laughs> about some of those things and the ways that it affects, uh, affects you. Um, and I think it's, it's good to be reminded that our emotions and our thoughts doesn't have to be the thing that controls us, right? That sometimes actually those things are just like the sneaky adversary in our life uh, that can sort of creep up and, and, and like help us see life through a distorted lens, right? Like something's on it and I just can't see it exactly the way it's supposed to be. It's, it's similar, but it's not, it's not the truth. Um, and then we get ourselves all worked up. Brian actually, Brian Scolton sent me a meme this week, which is funny because I just never thought Brian would be a meme sender. But now you know. Can you put that first one up? I've got 99 problems, and 86 of them are completely made-up scenarios in my head that I'm stressing about for absolutely no logical reason. Can I get an amen? <laughs> that is what we do. That is the way that I think that our brains operate. I have been there, and I've confessed to you during this series that probably the biggest source of my uh, anxieties, my fears, my worries, the things that make me nervous are generally those things that are the most outside of my control, that are the most removed from anything that I can do. I spend time, um, you know, worrying and having this like loop in my head of the way a conversation should have gone, or if I could replay it differently, or if could I have done something to change the outcome of someone else's reaction? Do you have that? And then when you sleep at night and it just loops and loops and loops and loops, and you, it, it's what causes you to not be able to fall asleep. And you're saying, I'm not worried about it, I just need to stop thinking about it. But when it keeps coming back up, it sort of assaults us in all these different ways, and it's been good to just sort of know, uh, or some, sometimes just recognizing it, so that when we recognize it, we can uh, respond to it differently. We can take back some of that control. Last week, um, Jody helped us understand a little bit about how our mind actually works, how our thoughts interact with the chemistry of our brain. And it's such, a, it's such a big topic and maybe hard to kind of zone in on, but to break that a little bit apart and break it down and say, oh man, I, I have more control than I maybe ever thought I did. Right? Like it doesn't have to be this way. Um, I worry about a lot about how people are going to react to the things that I have to say. Right? And I know the truth in my, my head, and I know the, the fact that if I, I, can, I can approach somebody with chosen words and wisdom and compassion and love, 
And that person that I'm having a conversation with, especially if it's maybe a difficult one, like there's going to be some conflict, that person reaction could still be a complete blow up, right? Like I can do all the right things, but I'm always going to, I'm always sort of worried about how that other person's reaction is going to be because knowing it in my, in my head and then helping my behavior change can be difficult when you know the truth, but it's hard to like grab onto that. Do you know what I mean? Have you been there? I feel like it's one of those things that we're very concerned, I think, with those things that we can't control. And then I think about the news, right? Like I turn on the news or, or whether you turn on the TV like you used to when I was a kid, that was the only way we got news, right? I wasn't going to read the newspaper, I guess, but those are for the comics, right? <laughs> but now it's like you, you don't have to turn on the television. You grab your phone and you can scroll tons of places, right? It's this all the time sort of constant thing that we always have beckoning us, right? This idea of cable news, nonstop, there's Facebook, the, the, the Facebook Live, so if you, in case you weren't watching the news, if you liked something, you know, CNN, Fox News, all those things, the BBC, they will stream them live for you in case you're missing them, right? So sometimes we have this idea that things are maybe worse than they actually are because the idea of breaking news is something's always breaking. It's always urgent. It's always popping up, saying, look, look, and you're, you know, if you have notifications, right? Your, your butt rings all the time, and it buzz, and it buzzes, and it buzzes, and you're like, oh, because everything is clamming for, clamoring for our attention. Everything has gotten noisy, and, and, and it's sort of like, look what they're doing. Look at those Republicans and what they're doing. Well, those Dems, do you see those guys? They don't know a thing. And we fight back and forth, right, right now, and there's sort of the political landscape that we have, and we're like, it's never been this terrible, it's never been this bad. And I'm reminded in conversations, I was actually, maybe some of you, I've been really into Hamilton. Like, I've been hitting it hard, right? Because I thought, I was like the last person to sort of know about it, I feel like. So I was like, rap music's not my thing. The American Revolution's not really my thing. Why would I like both of these things? But they work. <laughs> they work. And, and I'm, I'm listening, so the more I'm listening to these things, the lyrics, and then I started to sort of read some things, and We've been at each other's throats since the beginning of a nation uh, when we build things. Like, there's always going to be two sides, and they're always going to disagree. But oftentimes, right, disagreement is good because it, is, it makes us better. It challenges us. But the reason that we've got this sense of dread and doom is because we're constantly overloaded. We've never in our lives had more information hitting us all the time. And I think that in and of itself creates this sense of anxiety, of impending doom on the world, whether it's American politics, um, it's, uh, there's, there's unrest and wars, and there are, there's climate change, and, and people saying, yes, there is, and no, there isn't, and we can do something about it. No, we can't. Ah! And it's hard. And those are the things that, on top of all our everyday things, that can cause us all kinds of this feeling of being overwhelmed with it all. Because it's just this constant barrage of information that you're getting. And I, it, we've talked about how, simp right, how simple it can be. Turn your phone off. Yep. <laughs> Probably not gonna, though. Because <laughs> then, then I'm not connected to all the other things. 
And if you turn one thing off, there's all these other things that are going to take its place. So if unplugging is part of it, and it is, stepping away from some of those things that overwhelm us, what are other things that maybe we can sort of lean into when we become overwhelmed? Because I think that's right now, like, the media for us, not just in America, in the world, is designing us to be fearful. All the stuff they're, they're, they put out and give us just puts us on this road uh, to being fearful and to be overwhelmed. And so I want to look in the Psalms today, two, songs, uh, two Psalms specifically that I believe are going to be helpful uh, and to give us something that we can be rooted in when things like this feel out of control. Um, to me, they are fundamentally connected. Um, I'm not exactly sure how that happened, um, but just in sort of my own reading and studying, they did for me. Um, David wrote most of the Psalms, and what I love about the Psalms is they sort of cover this range of emotion, this conversation that one has with God of being, of singing his praises and asking him hard questions and lamenting and being downright angry and frustrated. And all of these are poems often set to music. So I always wonder when I read some of the ones that get a little difficult, like how would, what kind of music would that be? What does that song sound like? So if you have Bibles, Psalm 46 and Psalm 139, that's, that's where we're going to be. And this first one, Psalm 46, just the first, you, you heard a little bit of it today because that was our call to worship. So Psalm 46 says, God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in trouble. Therefore we will not fear, though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, Though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging. And then he skips down to verse 10 and says, he says, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Right? God is our refuge and our strength. And maybe for you, that's a, that's a familiar verse to you. Maybe it's one of those things that you've, you've clung to in your life or you've got a card like when you're going through a difficult time and that was like day spring, like helped you out and had that little thing right there? Because it's one of those things that I think fundamentally, but it's this idea that God is our refuge and our strength. God is. We tend to put our faith and our hope and our trust in a lot of other things, but God's reminding us that God is our refuge and our strength. Not armies, not political figures or leaders. We don't have to put our faith in them. They can be helpful or not helpful or whatever, and you can have preferences and all of those things, but that's not the source of our strength. It's not a place where we can find refuge. That God himself is the source of those things and that he is ever-present. I love that. He's, he's ever-present. He's our ever-present help, meaning he doesn't go away. He doesn't leave us to our own devices, both as individuals and as a world, as a community, as, as Americans. He doesn't leave us or forsake us, even when everything seems to be falling apart. Right? The psalmist is giving us this, this poetic picture of a worst-case scenario. Right? It's beautiful the way it sounds, but it's a disaster. Though the mountains give way and they fall into the heart of the sea and it's all this, it's turmoil, it's, it's commotion, it's not good. He says, because he understands that the way our mind works, the way that we do, right? He, he gets it. He understands that, that 
things are overwhelming, and that's the way they seem. This whole place is it's about to go up. I don't know what's going to happen. He gets our hearts. He understands. I feel like whether it, you know, it's 2,000 years ago, and it's just still so resonates to be true, is he doesn't leave. But sometimes when things get overwhelming, like we hold people at arm's length. Sometimes when we're a crisis, we do that. We, what we need the most is to say, yes, come and be near us and sit next to us and be with us. But we're in this crisis, in this panic mode, and we do that. We go, no, thank you. I'm going to hold, and we do that for sure. It doesn't change for, for the way that I think that we can do that to God. He's not the one that leaves, so it's not on him if we don't feel that same presence. That's on us. That's on us saying, I'm holding you at arm's length. But God is our refuge, and I love. So, so just this word refuge, it's, it's a word we don't use very much anymore. And so it's a condition of being safe or sheltered from pursuit, danger, or trouble. Right? So God's saying, that's me. God is our refuge and our strength and our ever-present help in trouble. So then verse 2 says, therefore. Can you put uh, the first screen on there where it's got verse 2? God is our, is our refuge and our strength and ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. I love the therefore because so, it's this faith logic that says, if this is true about who God is, then this is the way that we can behave then there is no reason to fear because God who is who he says he is. There's no reason to fear. There's no reason to be worried or anxious about these things that we can't control. We don't have to run around like chickens with our head cut off trying to do things and fix things. Do you ever feel that way in the midst of things? That you're just like, I have to keep, I have to keep doing things and I'm not sure what way to go. I feel that way a lot. Maybe a lot more than I realized before. Because we're doers. We like to do stuff. And doing things is good. And we're going to get to that. Doing things is good because it, it doesn't mean um, to say, all right, things are just, this is the way they are and we have to just accept it and not do anything. Nope. Do not hear me say that. Don't write that down. But here's, here's, my, here's my thought on that. Is it's not what's happening out there that makes us anxious. I think it's really more about what I'm allowing in my life and in my heart to go undetected and unchecked. Does that make sense? So then if we turn to Psalm 139, starting at verse 17, I like this. This is, this is David is, um, is talking, uh, talking to God after he's in a place right now where um, Saul is trying to kill him, right? And so some of his words are coming from that. So let's just... Let's just read this part, starting at verse 17. How precious to me are your thoughts, God. How vast is the sum of them. Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. When I awake, I am still with you. Here's the first shift. If only you, God, would slay the wicked. Away from me, you who are bloodthirsty. They speak of you with evil intent. Your adversaries misuse your name. Do I not hate those who hate you, Lord, and abhor those who are rebellion against you? I have nothing but hatred for them, and I count them enemies. Kill them. Kill them all. He's angry. He's upset. He's, he, he's asking for or God to be a God of, of, of justice because it's them. It's all the things that are happening out there that I'm upset about. I want it to be different. 
do something about it. And then notice a shift in David's heart next in verse 23. But then there's some responsibility that he takes because he says this. He says, search me, God. Know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Right? Like, there's some responsibility of what's, what, what's happening in me? What's happening in my heart? What are the things that I'm taking in? But we, we tend to be more of those people, look at all these people that aren't doing it right. They're the source of my stress. That, the world is just, it's a maddening place and it's full of garbage and we need to change things. But what about if I look to me? What, search me. Know me. See what's inside my heart and my head. David, David says, see if I've been thinking in a way that's allowed the enemy to play that loop in my mind. Because there is some responsibility for some of our, what comes in, right? What, what have I been letting in that's causing my thoughts to feel anxious, to feel harried, to feel the doom Right? I want to get I want to get past the point of answering that with another person's name. Right? You have people in your life, relationships that cause you anxiety. Yes, you do. Some of you are like, "Yes, yes I do." And it's a big part of it, right? Those are those relationships, um, maybe some of them it's kind of a, you know, it's it's less. It's like, "Yeah, they My mom, she's I love her so much, but with the text and all the things." But some of them are are maybe deeper wounds in relationships that are just really unhealthy. And they are a cause and stress of your anxiety. And, and, and talking about maybe events, right, that are outside of, of your control. But I want to get us to a place, I don't want to get myself to a place where I see that God is watching. And I don't mean that in a, he's watching you, right? My mom used to tell me that all the time. Like, it was like almost like a Santa Claus thing. Like, he knows when you're sleeping and he knows when you're awake. But this, he sees you, right? David knew that while well, Saul is trying to kill me. I know that you're watching me. You're protecting me. My soul finds rest in you. He has all these words. He is reminding himself that God is watching over him and that God loves him because God loves you. And he's watching over you. So what are we anxious about that we can't control? And why, are we, why, why do we do that to ourselves? This is the God that knows the number of hairs on my head and loves me and cares for me and knows exactly what I need, why do I worry? Maybe there's some things in me that are keeping me anxious about things, right? That, that, that make me stay in that place, that don't allow me to sort of let go. We, we talked about that, that tug of war, that push and pull that we have with anxiety, that we're trying to pull anxiety into the pit of doom. We can't pull anxiety into the pit. We have to let down the road. We just have to let it go. And that process is difficult. So what is it that causes us to not be able to, to not be able to let it go? And the things that just keep bringing it back up. Search me. Search me, God. Because I, I want control. Are you anything like me? We, I think we as a people, whether there's some of us that have higher levels of it, right? We might say, oh, she is such a control freak, Right? I'm so breezy. <laughs> but it's, we all, at some level, want control, right? We want to know how our life is going to go, our life is going to go. We want to be able to plan it out. 
So help me let go of that need and just be focused on doing the next right thing. Because sometimes the thing that causes the anxiety is to look too far into the future and we can just look for what's next. What is God calling me to do next? How can I do the next right thing? Because God is our refuge means that we take that shelter with us where we go. Now I'm thinking of a turtle. I didn't mean to. But it is kind of like that, right? It's this, it's this, this is not a hiding place where we can go to God and go to the church and go and hide in this place and, and stay there and, and, and wait till it's all over. It's if God is our refuge and our strength and he, we carry him with us where we go. So this refuge, this place of safety allows us to go in to those situations. Allows us to make the changes that we want to see. Allows us to give, um, to give knowledge and insight and maybe some voice to those injustices that are happening in the world that make us angry, that cause us to worry and, and get us frustrated. We have a, a, an ability to engage those things without fear or worry because we take the safety with us where we go. You don't have to be afraid because you are protected. But I think it's also important to make sure that we're paying attention to what our own intake levels are. I've been paying attention to my intake levels lately. Got myself a food journal. I don't want to talk about it. I'm just going to talk about it for a second, but I don't want to talk about it. It's tracking some things, right? Trying to track like, okay, I don't really think that I take in that much. Turns out that's not true, <laughs> right? Because now I have an app that I pull out and I go, okay, this is so now I'm trying to stay in, right, of this intake level so that I'm not, you know, taking in um, more than I'm putting out, right? That's, you, you get me, right? And then the, the food that I'm trying to track and go, goes in and out, I want them to be um, high nutrient kind of calories, right? I want to take in good calories. I want those to be fuel and life-giving for my body. Or I can take in empty calories, the calories that um, are not doing anything. They are preparing me to watch 10 more hours of Netflix. That's what that that's what those calories do, right? That's what they're preparing me for. Because in, in 2017, it was where I could get this information, the average American watches over five hours of TV a day. And so that's roughly like 35 hours a week. And I would be like, that is, that's a lot. That's not true. And I was like, oh, wait, I bet I get that in on a Saturday, right? Like, I might not have that much during the week, but I bet by the time Saturday comes out, I can work itself out. And that's just TV. That's not all the other screens and stuff and things that we engage in, right? That's just that. How do we have peace if we don't make a place for it, right? My mom always used to say, and maybe some of you, you people are might groan in this. Do you, do you remember this saying? Garbage in, garbage. I just meant like, don't listen to rock and roll or let's book bad movies with swearing. That's really what that, that meant at the time. And I think that, that was it's good, right? That was protecting of her. Like, I want to make sure that if you're listening to all these things, I don't want you to start living out of those things. Or if you're hearing this bad language, I don't want that to be the first word that you reach for in your, bag of, in your giant bag of vocabulary that you pick those ones. Right? And I, I think that there's good. We all have different thresholds for that kind of stuff. Right? Some of you can handle things that other people can't. Different age levels. It's not rules we necessarily can make for each other. But like, 
what are those things that we can kind of take in that lets the darkness creep in? They just aren't good for us. Whether it's the way the things that we view, the relationships that we have, that when we let them in, we're letting, we're letting darkness in to our lives. I, can't, there, I cannot watch anything scary on TV. I just cannot. I, like I was the kid that, or I'm the adult in the movie theater, that if we go to a movie and something sort of horrible is playing, I'm, I plug my ears and do you know what I hum? Of all the things I hum in the land? You're gonna, okay, this is just a side note. Onward, Christian soldiers. <laughs> I don't know why. I don't know how I chose that particular song, but I just feel like I'm marching into battle in my head. So now, you know, so if that might be a trick for you uh, to watch that. Right, but it's what, what are our intake levels of the things that we take in? The, the relationships, the stuff that we just kind of keep taking in is we take in a lot of stuff and not all of it's good, right? If the, even if the news is constantly on in your house, that's not good. I grew up my grandparents' house. Anytime you go over there, the, the talk radio would be on. Always on, ever present. It's just hanging around in the back. Turn it off sometimes, right? Like, be careful what is kind of coming in because I think, but also, on the flip side of that, I think that we don't always take in the right stuff. Like, I think there's a certain amount of uh, spiritual starvation diet, right, that we could be on and not even realize it, right? So it's just on this one hand, I've got to make sure that I'm, I'm, I'm paying attention to what's letting in that's going to make that anxiety creep up. And there's this other side that says, but it, what am I replacing it with? What are those good nutrient sort of base things that we can have, right? Because this shot of Jesus, this shot of Jesus and this faith and this community that we get once a week is not enough to sustain you. This can't be it for your week. I'm glad it is, and I'm glad it's part of it. I'm glad it's part of your regiment. I'm glad it's part of your diet. I'm glad it's part of what you think is important. But if this is it, you don't have enough, right? We have, a, we have a faith that if we don't feed it, then we're unable to access the strength that we have, that we actually possess because of who Jesus is, right? So we have to up our intake levels. And I don't know what that means for everybody, right? For, for, it's not a one-size-fits-all. But it's, it's this idea that how are we staying connected to our strength? How are we letting that strength pour into who we are, in our relationships, in what we read, in being in Scripture, in spending time in prayer? Those are the things throughout the week that are going to, are going to lift you up, that are going to give you the sustenance of what you need to hold some of those other things at bay. Because you're connected, you're finding your strength in those places. Search me, God. Show me what's happening. What am I taking in? How can my life align with who you made me to be so that in that, through that, I can be the real me, that I can be um, not this imbalanced thing, not this, um, maybe you have, you've got a church you and a home you and a work you and a when I play sports or cards you. I'm making no eye contact. Yes, I did. Uh, right, that we want to be the highest version of me, the called me, the confident me, the stable me, right? The God loves me and I don't need to prove anything to you, me. The God that brings us peace. I want to, I want to tap into that. The God that loves me and knows me. 
And that no matter what of those anxiety levels, no matter what triggers you, you find strength in who God is and who he says he is. And that's why we come to the table for nourishment, right? This is part of what we do. It's a symbol, but don't, I don't think it's lost on us that it's food. That when Jesus gathered around his disciples, he gave them bread and he gave them wine as a symbol. And he said, whenever you eat and whenever you drink. So I love that we come to this table together. And we're going to do that in a minute. But it's this, it's just remember, it's this thing that you get to take with you. We do it every month, the last Sunday of the month. And I was sharing with people um, before service when we were praying together that I love that it's the end of the month. And I think it's just because I feel reminded and empowered of how much God loves me and what that means for me as I enter in a brand new month. February flew, right? Like it just, it's busy and it's crazy and you're like, it was over like that and it's Ash Wednesday coming up and we're going to start a Lenten season. And some of you are like, Carrie, I don't know what Lent is. Don't worry, we'll cover it. But it's just flying by, but we stop and we remember the promises of God. We tap in to who he says he is. So that when everything feels out of control and unsettled and uncertain and our anxiety kicks up and we're worried and we're afraid, we can come to the table and be reminded of who God is because Jesus spent time just before he was going to go to the cross. He got together with his disciples and he wanted to share one last meal with them. And they were eating, and they were reclined, and they were eating a normal meal. That's what I love about this, this picture, is they were eating a normal meal, and part of their normal meal was bread, and it was wine. And so he was taking time to pour into them, and talk to them, and, and make sure that they had strength for what was to come, to prepare them for what was to come. And so he sat with them, and he prayed, and he gave thanks for the gifts that God had given, them, given him, and then he grabbed the bread, and after he blessed it, he took it, and he broke it. And he said, this is my body. It's broken for you. Whenever you eat of it, you think of me. And in the same way, after dinner, he took the cup, and he poured it out, and he said, this is my blood in a new covenant. When you drink this, Remember me. Remember that I love you, that I care for you, that I will be with you, that I am your ever-present help in times of trouble, that my body is broken for you and my blood is shed for you. And that when you, if you believe that with your heart and you confess it with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, then this table is for you. You can come. You are welcome. No matter what, what or where you've been or, or the things that things that you've done or the things that you haven't done, what your intake levels are, this table's for you and you're welcome at it. Let's pray. Father God, we are, we are at the table together, at your table, the table that you invite us to, where we can lay down our burdens, our anxieties and our cares, that we can really just give everything to you. And we don't have to have the right words for it. We can just spill it all out to you. We can cry out to you. We can yell at you. And you are willing to take all that on for us. You did. You did in your son, Jesus. 
where he came to this earth and knew what it felt like to be us, to feel worry and anxious and fear. Even while praying in the garden, Lord, let this cup pass from me. Jesus understood what it was like and he gave up his life so that we can be renewed and restored and refined. And so God, together as we come to this table, I just pray um, that we're able to confess to you. Confess to you exactly where we are. Not just our sins, but just be honest about our brokenness. And that you'll come and that we'll find nourishment. We'll find, we'll find bread that will never be hungry again. And we'll drink of the cup that will never be thirsty again. God, we thank you for who you are and who we get to be when we stand in the light of Jesus. Help us to remember. In Jesus' name, amen.